Yo, it's the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. There's a blast. Deep into the night. And a two-run homer for Baez. And there it goes. Abreu massacres this ball to left center field. Donna goes in motion left. Snap it to Michelle. He's running to the left. Angling 25-20. Got a block for Brown. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776. After our telephone number, hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweetjhood. Also on Instagram, IGJHood. On the program tonight, we'll hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs, for ESPN.com and ABC7 Nightwitness News. We'll hear from Jesse coming up at the bottom of the hour from San Francisco as the Cubs and the Giants clash for Game 2 of their series. We'll hear from Jesse, as I mentioned, a little bit after 7.30. Also, summer football. Every single night at 8 o'clock, we give you something football, something fantasy, something college, something pro. Tonight, we will review the NFC North. What do the Bears have in store for the Green Bay Packers, for the Lions, for the Vikings? We've got three great guests on from Green Bay, from Minneapolis, from Detroit. What do the Bears have to deal with in the 2019 season? We'll have a full breakdown of the 2019 NFL-NFC North uh, season uh, coming up at 8 o'clock. Also, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday moves to 8.30 tonight. Special time, 8.30. We'll hear from Dave LaGreca from Busted Open. If you're a wrestling fan, stay by your listening device because in an hour and a half, we will have wrestling conversation for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, as we always do here on ESPN 1000. We're on until 9 tonight, and then it'll be Freddie Coleman and Ian Fitzsimmons with uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons uh, right here on ESPN 1000. So hope that you had a great Tuesday. Hope that you have a great Tuesday night with you till 9 o'clock here on ESPN 1000. I'm going to do something tonight that I normally don't do, and there's a good reason for it. It's because this is something that you wouldn't normally hear me talk about in the A block or the uh, number one segment that we have on Under the Hood. But the news broke this afternoon about the DePaul Blue Demons, that DePaul head coach Dave Lado has been suspended for the first three games of the 2019-20 season for failing to monitor his staff after a former head, uh, associate head coach gave impermissible benefits to a recruit, the NCAA's Committee on Infractions announced this earlier today. So per the NCAA release, a former associate head coach who received a three-year uh, show cause order arranged for the assistant director of basketball operations to uh, live with a prospect who failed to meet NCAA eligibility requirements and had to take additional measures to complete the coursework to gain eligibility. The assistant director of basketball operations lived with a prospect for two weeks. 
Dave Roberts, who's on the committee for these infractions, says that the DePaul program needed size and it continued to recruit the prospect after warnings that the prospect may not meet NCAA requirements. And so it goes on to say from ESPN.com's Myron Metcalf says that uh, the decision and the findings of the NCAA committee on infractions following a self-reported infraction and subsequent uh, cooperation by DePaul University is disappointing. Um, So it just talks about how also in this piece that Dave Lato, the head coach for DePaul, could have been able to apparently knew what was going on. It did not come to the NCAA and tell them what was going on. Um, During one of the federal trials, Christian Dawkins, Merrill Code, and James Gatto. There might be names that you don't know, but these are three men at the center of the FBI's investigation into corruption into college basketball. In October, Brian Bowen Sr. testified that DePaul assistant Shane Hireman paid him $2,000 a month so that his son, Brian Bowen Jr., would attend a high school in LaPorte, Indiana, where Hireman was the head coach at the time. The five-star recruit had previously played in Saginaw, Michigan. Brian Bowen Sr. also testified that he was paid between five dollars and $8,000 per month to have his son play for the Chicago's Mean Streets program, which was led by DePaul assistant Tim Anderson at the time. Um, Bowen Sr. did not name Anderson by name, but answered yes to questions from Dawkins' defense attorney, Steve Haney, about whether he accepted $1,500 from Anderson uh, another 1400 to live in a condo by the lake while his son played at Lemure High School in LaPorte. And $5,000 from NFL player Ty Streets, who was affiliated with the Mean Streets program. The school has said it has not been contacted by the NCAA regarding the FBI investigation. But we do know that DePaul has been shut down. Uh, again, they are in a position now for three years of uh, probation. And Dave Lato has been suspended for the first three games of the season because of this infraction. Now, that's a mouthful. It's a lot that's going on here. But let me bottom line it for you. You know, when you look at the Paul program over the years, and Dave Lato has been a frequent guest in this program because I, I feel the need for college basketball to be a talking point on this show. Nobody else is going to put college basketball guys on on a regular basis. I do throughout the season because I really believe that programs like DePaul, programs like UIC, programs like Illinois, Illinois State, and others, Loyola, deserve to be able to have a say. They should be able to come on this program and talk about their program and talk about how their arrows pointing up for their teams. And so I've always been... You know, Felix and Sean have always done a great job of just giving me some of these coaches um, as we get closer to the season and in season. Try to get fans interested in the program because, uh, as I always say, you know, you, if you're watching Bulls basketball and you know it's bad Bulls basketball, why? If you if you're a basketball fan, why waste your time on a team that's not going anywhere? Watch young guys try to live their dreams, trying to get to the next level or trying to help the program. College basketball is. Uh, it does not resonate with a lot of you uh, because you don't see a, a winner every single year. I know Loyola, when they uh, won uh, their division, when they won their conference, and when it went to the Final Four, everybody was a Loyola fan for like two weeks. But there's been stories all throughout. But a story like this makes a college basketball fan say, 
wait, so now this program is behind another three years where they're trying to do something according to the NCAA that's underhanded. It's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to Dave Leto. It's embarrassing to Gene Lenny Ponsetto. And, and it's not one of these things where I'm speaking in uh, hyperbolically. This is not uh, hyperbole by any stretch. The NCAA found that the Paul was guilty. That's embarrassing. It is. For a program that's trying to get on the map, it's a, a brand new stadium, trying to get butts in seats, trying to get eyeballs in the product, that's embarrassing. What, to me, you could look at the landscape of college sports, and there's a m- many, many coaches that will take a, a shortcut. They will do what it takes to try to get uh, up the standings, to get butts in seats, to get interest. This is not the way to do it. It's not the way to do it. And if you're caught, this is what happens. And again, the FBI hasn't even come into this situation yet. There's still more findings to come with some of these other programs. But DePaul should be embarrassed for a pro- for a program that is faceless, a program that I grew up with. Okay, watching on WGN just like watching the Cubs. It is shameful that DePaul has put themselves in this spot. Ray Meyer is the still the icon, and still somehow after being the coach between 1942 and 1984, seemingly is still the face of the program. There's been so many coaches that have come through that program uh, on on West Belden, from Oliver Purnell there for the payday, Jerry Wainwright with his white shoes and his checkered jacket, Pat Kennedy here for from '97 to 2002, to to Joey Meyer, many years with the DePaul program after uh, Coach Meyer stepped down, to Dave Lado. Uh, that is, if you are a DePaul fan, uh, you should be embarrassed. For for Genie, you should be embarrassed for Dave Lado. And again, I have a great relationship with DePaul, but the bottom line is is that this is not right. It's terrible, especially when you're trying to grow a program. Again, we'll find out more information, I'm sure, as it comes across, but Dave's not even going to be in that chair for the first three games of the 2019-20 season. So, you know, it's just, it's just a shame because it's like anything else, right? Dave is the head coach, and he has to be able to monitor everything underneath him. The assistant coaches, he's got to monitor the, his program to make sure his program is not in a situation like this. And the program failed. And again, he, him being the head coach and the NCAA Committee on Infractions announced this today, the impermissible benefits to a recruit. If, if, if Dave, according to this, knew what was going on and turned a blind eye to it, that's not right. It's not right. I'll say this for any program, but I'm saying this about DePaul because for a program that's looking for attention, this is embarrassing to the program. It is. And, you know, again, you're, you're trying to get more people to get into college basketball in this pro basketball town, and then this happens. It, all DePaul fans want is to be able to say, hey, what's next? How can we, we got the stadium now, so now what's next? How can we be a winner? How can we get more people interested into the, into the program? And then this happens. These, the committee finds all of this. You know, the school said it, it accepted the committee's findings, however, because it just wants to move forward. Move forward to what? A, a further obscurity? <laughs> Disappointing on the part of uh, DePaul. As you're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I don't, I don't know what's next for DePaul, but three years being on probation, I, I don't know what they're supposed to be doing here.
right? <laughs> if you're going to cut corners, you don't want anyone to know. You want to, you would think that all these programs are clean. You know that that's not the case. There are some that are just not going to do it the right way. And according to these findings, DePaul did not do it the right way. Let's move on to the Cubs and the Giants. Saw the game last night, and the Giants win, and they beat the Cubs by a score of five to four. You know the magic is just not there, especially late in games. You could just tell that even though this ball club is fifty-four and forty-six, and you know this this Cubs team again. I will go back to the core. The core is good enough for this team to be able to win, but it's it's just not. You can just tell this Cubs team they can make the playoffs, but before you blink your eyes, they'll be gone based on the roster composition as it is. We can go back and look from the top with, with Kyle Schwarber with that 229, 320, and 479 slash line. That's not good enough. I, I don't care if he's hitting six. I don't care if he's hitting first. I don't care if he's hitting third. It's just not good enough. Uh, you, you take a look at um, what's happening with Almora. You know, and I'm going to talk to Jesse about this coming up uh, after 730 the the Almora thing is uh, is a little bit uh, it's a little bit strange because uh, Felix gave me this number earlier regarding Albert Almora through May twenty eighth his slash line was two fifty nine three hundred four and four forty three a forty percent pull rate Almora since May twenty ninth a slash line of two thirteen two thirty six three hundred three a pull rate of twenty seven point five you say well what does that mean what it means is is that it, it could be since he had a foul ball into the stands and it hit that kid, Al Moore has not been the same. Now, I don't know if there's a correlation of the two. It just seems to me that, and, and this was a great uh, tweet by Daniel Rathman, when he marked the time that Al Moore mistakenly hit, hit that foul ball into the stands where he has not been the same player. All of his numbers are down. All of his numbers are down since May 29th. And there's a guy that you really need. You know that defensively more times than not, he's going to give you an honest effort defensively. But this is a team that still needs more offense, needs more. And it's just it's just not happening. And, and once again, we talk about depth issues with this Cubs team, right? So, you know, Almora is the best center fielder that the Cubs have on the roster. There is no no backup. There is no one else that can step in. It's You can't put Brian out there. I don't think Hayward's a corner outfielder. He's not necessarily a a center fielder. But this is what we talk about with Theo and Jed when it comes to this this baseball team. And that is you're looking for quality depth between now and the deadline. Because it's not like they have, the Cubs have this uh, plethora of talent in the minor leagues that can come up and really make, pay dividends. There is no Luis Robert in the minor leagues for this uh, Cubs team. So we get to the game last night, and it's Anderson against Mills. Mills, a starter for the Cubs, five strikeouts through four and a third, seven hits, two runs. That's not horrible. You'll you'll take that from Mills. He's out there for seventy six pitches, four and a third innings pitches. I mentioned. You get into the bullpen late, and you're looking for Pedro Strope to just hold the water, just hold the lead, and he ends up having his fifth blown save of the season. And Pedro Strope, at some point in the first half, reliable. I was telling you, Davis, uh, I think a week or two ago, I said, you know, there's something with Strope. It just doesn't, it, I mean, it, you just can see it here where you thought you could depend on Strope, and then you just start to see him go in the wrong direction. 
And I think that last night is a microcosm of the last couple of outings for Strope where late in games, that might not be the answer. I think that you've got to go with C-Sheck uh, later than what you have him, more than just a hold guy. I think he's got to be in that setup role and in um, Kinsler as well. Uh, I think that Strope has played himself out of that spot. I think he's got to play himself back in that spot as someone that can hold the lead um, going into the ninth. But um, in an inning for Strope, four hits, three runs, all earned, and a, a strikeout, and ends up losing the ball game for the Cubs. I watched that the late innings of that game, and I didn't have a lot of didn't have a lot of faith in Strope out there. Three runs surrendered in the bottom of the eighth, and the Cubs cannot respond. But we talk about magic, right? You know it when you see it in baseball. You know it when you see it. I see it when I watch the Minnesota Twins. I see it when I watch the Los Angeles Dodgers. You see it somewhat when you see the the New York Yankees as far as their power. But just the the excitement, the station, the the, taking the extra base, making the defensive plays you need to make. And then on top of that, the Cubs are regressing into that team that beats themselves. There is nothing worse, believe me, as a Sox fan, I know. There is nothing like a team that beats themselves on the base paths. Nobody's worse in the base paths than the Cubs are. As far as taking, trying to take the extra base or just trying to go from first to second, it is just the strangest thing. And this is a team that was good at that at one point, and now you look at the Cubs and they're just they're horrible. And the other thing is, too, is that when you're station to station as much as the Cubs are, and, and look at that lineup. That's when you got Brian out there and Rizzo out there and and um, Schwarber out there. There's a lot of station to station on this team. You don't have that speed. You know, Felix and I have been going back and forth about trying to figure out who the Cubs can trade for to be able to provide some speed. First of all, who can play every day and that can give you uh, a, a strong effort offensively. And then when they get on, can they go first to third? Can someone get on base, steal a base, and then get the guy over and get him in? I mean, you're not you're not getting that with the combination of Schwarber, Baez, and Bryant at the top of your lineup. So that you know, that's it, it's it's one of those things where you're looking for the the magic and it's not there for this Cubs team. It's just not there. Still to come, we'll hear from Jesse Rogers, get his thoughts on the Cubs because he's out there in the Bay Area. There's a lot of questions to ask about last night's game, and then find out what Joe Madden had to say uh, here in the pregame. Uh, find out his thoughts about um, where the Cubs are going here because. Even though they're over 500, even though they could more than likely win this division, doesn't matter how many games. What you're looking for as a Cub fan is for the team to to be able to play smarter ba- uh, baseball, to play smarter baseball. That's what you're looking for. And I saw that last year. I saw it a couple of years ago. I saw it three years ago. I don't see it with this Cubs team this year. It, and here's the thing: it's not. It doesn't look like they're pressing. It just looks like they're just going through the motions. I will not go with the excuse of, well, they've had a lot of playoffs and played a lot of games, so they're tired, or look at the schedule, they play a lot of games. Man, look. Look, it's 162 of these games. You're going to play the majority of them, and you've got to be able to play smarter baseball. And I just can't, I can't believe that a lot of these guys, these core guys, can't seem to understand the fundamentals of baseball and execute like we know Joe Madden's teams can. It's, um, it's baffling. But we'll talk to Jesse about that coming up next. And don't forget, Summer of Football at the top of the hour. We will go through the NFC North with the NFC North preview at 8 o'clock as you're listening to Under the Hood. Jonathan Hood. Hold on, wait a minute. Y'all thought I was finished. When I would ask tomorrow, y'all thought it was winning. On ESPN 1000. Maybach Music.
Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We'll have summer of football for you at the top of the hour as we take a look at the NFC North. We go to San Francisco, a man who covers the Cubs for ESPN and ABC 7 Eyewitness News. It's Jesse Rogers, and he joins me here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Hello, Jess. Jay Hood, how are you doing tonight, my friend? What's going on? Well, hello, Jess. Now, let me tell you, I know that there might be some breaking news here with Joe Madden, so if you've, if you've got to jump off, make sure you tell us. I will, I will. I don't, I don't know if it's breaking news, but um, there's a little uh, extra availability. Might get a few minutes with him. You know, there's there's large crowds around him. Then you get the smaller crowds, and uh, I like talking to him in a smaller crowd. He gives he gives a little bit more info. So we'll see how that goes as they take BP here. Cubs on the field right now. Okay, don't you know it's 2019? Everything's breaking news, Jesse. Everything's yeah, maybe news. so, maybe so. Uh, we'll see. Do you uh, do you foresee uh, a change as far as the setup role for the bullpen for the Cubs? I don't understand why Kinsler can't and Ciszek can't get more time into the seventh, eighth to build to the ninth. Because I thought that there was a little bit of a disconnect with Strope in there yesterday. Yeah, I've been getting that question a lot the last 24 hours. I mean, the ERA is, is what it is, five five forty seven for Strobe after giving up those three runs. I do think we're going to see a little change. Um, I, you know, there's always a, a, a breaking point, and I, I think that could be it in the short term at least. He's given up runs in three of his last six outings since the break. Again, that ERA for the season is pretty high. The fastball is not getting the job done. Joe tried to defend him a little bit and just mention the one fastball to Slater that he, he crushed to center field as the bad pitch, but I, still, he, he wasn't missing bats. He, he gave up good enough contact to other guys. Sandoval pulls that ball, or, or puts that ball down the right field line for a fair ball. Um, uh, the panic ball down the left field line. I mean, miss a few bats, get a pop-up, and there's the difference. So, yeah, maybe not every ball was crushed, but enough got to the outfield that you worry. And so I, I think it's going to happen here, a little change, especially tonight. Kinsler and C-Shack, probably a bridge to Kimbrell. Um, we'll see you know, tomorrow or the next day where he goes with Strope. I think Strope probably needs a little mental breather on this thing. So if they can survive without him in that role for a little bit, I think that's what we'll see. But Joe did defend it, and I'm, you know, I'm not sure I completely agree with it. We'll, we'll see how it, how it plays out moving forward. Jesse, we haven't talked a lot about Albert Almora. I sent you a message about Almora through May 28th. Slash line of 259, 304, and 443. And then since May 29, it, it's just not um, it's not great. 213, 236, 303 is a slash line. Do you think that there's any correlation to the ball hit you know, into the stands by Almora, how it shook him up hitting that fan versus where we are right now? Yeah, I don't think so. And that's just my opinion. Obviously, it's something we probably can't prove unless he admits to it. And I didn't talk to him today, but I talked to some of his teammates, two, you know, just two teammates. And, and presented that scenario for them. Has he gone in the tank, so to speak, because of that or since that or whatever? And they, they couldn't put their finger on it. I mean, look, the numbers you described before the incident weren't all that great anyway, mm-hmm. right? But they've, been, they've, they've come, you know, they've, they've been worse since. So I, I don't doubt that in the moment, in the, in the days, in the aftermath, it, it affected him. But I can't imagine a couple months later he just still hasn't found his groove because of what happened. I, I don't see that in his in his body language or when I talk to him. It just doesn't feel like he's um, not there. You know what I mean? He's, he seems present. He seems present. He's just having a bad year, especially against left-handed pitching, which is 
normally his bread and butter. So uh, it's a really difficult thing to judge unless he just comes out and admits it. I don't think he would do that, at least not in season. We'll see maybe after the season if there's something to it. But, you know, it's, it's a good question, and, and some of his teammates kind of dismissed as well. Jesse Rogers joins me, Jonathan Hood, on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app to talk about the Cubs and the Giants. Um, could you give us a, an idea of that of the locker room for the Cubs overall when you go in it and you talk to players? Again, it, it's, the team's over 500, but the team knows that they can play a lot better. What's the demeanor? Has it changed between the first half and second half, or is it the same? No, it's pretty much the same. They're in first place. It's up and down. They know they're in a dogfight of a division. Um, they know their record's bad on the road, but there's no, no terrible body language from this team because it's not like they are languishing in third place and can't make up any ground. In fact, they just gained a, a game and a half during that homestand. Now, they gave it back a little bit last night, and certainly you would think to win the division they have to play better than 10 under on the road, but, I mean, I guess if everyone else in the division stinks on the road, it's all relative. So, I mean, they're okay. They're okay. Look, I think they've resign themselves to the fact that they're going to be underdogs if they get in. I mean, the Dodgers are the Dodgers. The Braves are the Braves. And then whoever's the third-best team in the league is going to have to win it by being an underdog. But if you're telling me the Cubs can't beat the Braves three out of five times, come on. Of course they can. Of course they can. Let alone that they can beat the Dodgers four out of seven. They'd be underdogs. There's no doubt. But underdogs win in baseball all the time. So I guess it'd be a lot worse feeling if they were in third place trying to climb and they can't get anywhere. And I'm sure that's the feeling Milwaukee and St. Louis have. They, those, you know, St. Louis has played well, and they've barely moved up. So it's just a weird division where, where everyone's beating up on each other. And if you're the team on top, you feel a lot better than those teams behind them. But, look, the lead's precarious. you still got to play some good ball the rest of the way. Jesse, you talked to, to um, Captain Boyle this morning about um, Addison Russell. It started with our conversation last night because you got the, the information from Russell, so we talked about that. And, and, and there was something at the point of the conversation that you had with those guys, you talked about Russell and, you know, David is not happy with uh, Russell and the, the feeling like he's some kind of dark cloud, you know, around his locker. Could you kind of amplify on that a little bit? Do you think that because of his demeanor since – everything that he's gone through, that he's kind of a not a dark cloud in the locker room, but just kind of um, uh, kind of a mercurial type of personality yeah, around know, everyone yeah, else. Yeah, I know what you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, he was always, a, 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 I think, a little bit of a loner, and a little bit. I think he's actually, through his therapy and everything, tried to be, you know, tried to engage people more. He has, he has acted more like his 2015 self, you know, sort of a little bit of a happy-go-lucky attitude, you know, back then. He always had a smile on his face and, and stuff like that. I think he's tried. It, it's not about that. It's about making so many mental mistakes. I don't care if it was Addison Russell or David Bodie or, for that matter, a star on this team. If you're going to make that many mental mistakes and, and oh, I don't you know, not, not uh, doing, doing things right in the field in terms of those pop-ups, at least calling people off and stuff like that. It was, you know, that Elmore play. I, I, anybody would be upset. So I, I don't think it has to do with his personal problems. It just has to do with playing the game the right way and there's a lot of guys on this team that do and and right now he's, he's one of them that isn't and that is hurting them and it certainly hurt them Saturday in the biggest of ways I mean that was just amazing what went down that day so I think it's more about that than his personal problems you can't play the game that mentally out of it and uh, he certainly has been and certainly did that day
I think the head scratcher for you that you're pissed off at is the missing of the signs. Like everyone else has got like, and, and the dumbing down of signs is something that you talked about as well, which I, I, I don't understand that at all. Like it, a baseball sign should be the easiest thing to understand. It is it, the signs too complicated for some of the cup players. That's weird. I don't know. I, I have to dig deeper on that one. Brian Butterfield <laughs> just mentioned it real quick and something I got to dig deeper on, but it was strange to hear him say he has to get more familiar with the sign. You better be damn familiar with them if you are going to play uh, October baseball. Joe Madden's coming off the field, Jay Hood. I'm going to talk to him, and if there's any news, I'll get back with you. Sound good? Thank you, Jesse. Thank you very much. Jesse Rogers with us from the Bay Area with us here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. See, there's news there. There's breaking news. Even if there's no breaking news, it's breaking news to Jesse because he wants to get a chance to chat with Madden an hour before the ball game. Well, you just heard from Jesse there talk about a number of issues. Like, as I mentioned, you know the magic when you see it, and, and the magic's not there for this Cubs team. And like all of these issues for a first place team, right? It, it shows you the the difference in what we would consider as kids. Oh, my favorite team is in first place, so that means they're going to win the division. Well, hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being able to knock down another division and be able to win National League Central. But I, I think that the standards are a lot more than just carrying around a pennant that says NL Central Champion. It does not have the same value, especially when the stakes are different. <clears throat> Things have, have changed for this Cubs team where you're expecting for this Cubs team to be able to compete for the World Series. When Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer came to Chicago... You thought, okay, well, then maybe some things will start working to the Cubs' favor because Theo won in Boston. And a lot of people were thinking, well, no, maybe it won't happen. It just won't happen because, well, it's the Cubs, right? But it all comes to a, a commitment to winning financially, being able to work in um, in the minor leagues, to be able to spend money the right way, and to get yourself in a position to compete and that's exactly what the Cubs did for years. The Cubs just did not spend the money, did not do what they need to do to try to win. Uh, and, and so we look at what's happening now with this team, and the expectations have gotten to a, a different level, a whole different level. Getting to the playoffs and getting bounced is not good enough. Let's hear now from Pedro Strope. Pedro Strope um, was in the epicenter of what happened last night as he had the blown save the Cubs end up losing the ball game against the Giants. Pedro Strope talked about what happened in the bottom of the eighth. Obviously, anything didn't go my way. Uh, I was making pitches, and it was like like that that pitch to the to the, the double to uh, center field. Uh, I missed that pitch. I wanted to green, and uh, I've been having a tough 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 time with my with my sinkers. Just, it hasn't been consistent this year, and um, that one didn't sink the way I wanted. He he got a he got a good piece of wood on the, on the ball. Oh, yeah. It's different. It's absolutely different. It's a, it's a different dynamic with this Cubs team because you're looking for better, and you're just not getting better from this Cubs team. Glad that you're with us here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. And, and, and again, my my opinion on it is very simple. This Cubs team should be able to compete, and they're not playing like it. I, I've just, I'm never just going to buy that you just need bench guys to get you over the hump. This core should be good enough, and it's just not. 
Uh, something else I just want to put on Major League Baseball-wise, and that is regarding Dwight Gooden. Have you seen this story about Dwight Gooden? You know, growing up watching baseball, you were looking for marvels. You're looking for, you know, great players that could just supersede the game. I thought that Dwight Gooden, when he came to the majors, and after the first year, actually his first start was against the Cubs, and the Cubs shellacked Dwight Gooden. But then you saw his career, and you saw someone that was special. This story about Dwight Gooden saddens me because the former major leaguer pitcher uh, Dwight Gooden was charged with driving while intoxicated on Monday. That was in Newark, New Jersey. It was his second arrest in the past two months. Gooden now is 54. He was stopped after driving the wrong way on a one-way street, according to Newark Public Safety Director Anthony Ambrose. I got exactly what I deserved, unfortunately, Gooden said to the New York Post. I'm very embarrassed, very shameful. I feel bad for anybody I disappointed or let down. And Gooden's had so many struggles. I mean, there's a reason why the 30 for 30 with uh, Doc and Dwight was there, because it was it tells a story of two all-time greats that succumbed to cocaine, to substantiate that, uh, that that went to cocaine and drugs and turned to um, influences that were negative for their career. Dwight Gooden was great. He was just tremendous. In 1985. National League Cy Young Award winner, struggled with drug and alcohol addiction for many, many years. He was suspended for baseball for part of the 94 season and all of 95 because of testing positive for cocaine. Could not get away from it. And so his name continues to resonate in the news and sometimes in a negative way because of his, um, some of his substance abuse problems. And, you know, and Daryl Strawberry, all-time great. Could have been even greater if he stayed away from the drugs. And those are just two stories. If you haven't seen that 30 for 30, check that out. Because if you, even if you didn't live in that era, it just tells a great story of how drugs can do that to you. I mean, where, you know, some can live with it and some, they, they get taken down by it. And then, you know, as, as good as K was, Dr. K, to see Dwight Gooden, as great as he was at the top, we've seen him at the bottom as well. And it's uh, really unfortunate. So hopefully... Even after this, you always say, hopefully he can turn his life around. Who knows? Dwight Goodenough being in, uh, again, twice in the last couple of months. And he talked to the press about it. Say, hey, I put myself in that situation. Yes, you did, sir. Yes, you did. All right, coming up, we will have summer football at the top of the hour. We'll talk about the NFC North. What can we expect from the NFC North? What do the Bears have to deal with for this upcoming season? We move forward here on UTH. Jonathan Hood. super hot. Hey, give me my respect. On ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Don't forget the Under the Hood podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. If you miss any of our shows, you're busy with family, busy with work, got friends, got stuff going on, and you don't get a chance to hear the show, make sure that you download and subscribe to the Under the Hood podcast. It's on YouTube, youtube.com. Look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Same thing on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, wherever you download your podcast. Look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This hour of our program is brought to you by Enzo Custom. Experience true custom and get the suit that you really want. Go to EnzoCustom.com, schedule an appointment, and get $50 off by telling them Tom Waddle sent you. Vic Fangio is the head coach for the Denver Broncos. 
no longer the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. Many in Vegas, many fans are wondering whether or not the Bears will take a step back defensively without Vic Fangio and Chuck Pagano being the new defensive coordinator. I think the Bears' defense will be fine, plus with good health. But Vic Fangio is now going from the defensive coordinator, coaching Khalil Mack, to being the head coach and coaching Von Miller. Both of those guys are strong. Listen to Vic Fangio and his thoughts on Miller and Mack. Both great players, but they both uh, have a little different style to them. You know, Von's a little bit faster, maybe a little bit quicker. Khalil's bigger, more physical, and um, but they both find a way in, in their own way of getting the job done, and they've both been great players, and, and I think Vaughn's can become even better. Yeah, you know, because you see Vic Fangio, someone that can see how great Von Miller is and feels like there's an, even another gear in Von Miller's game. And uh, the comparison is interesting because, yeah, Khalil Mack may not have the, the quicks as Von Miller does, but he's still just as dominant. There's no doubt that Khalil Mack can get to the quarterback. But I, 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 I like his breakdown of both guys because, boy, if you're Vic Fangio, you're being able to coach two of the top five players uh, defensively in the league, and so this is a, that's a, a leg up for Vic Fangio. What will you do offensively? <laughs> that's the question. Some of these guys are always in the defensive room and focused on defense. They just leave the offense to the offensive coordinator and never even go into the room or just you know duck their head in. Hey, how's the offense? Good. Okay, great. Because they're so focused on defense. Uh, Matt Nagy, the head coach for the Bears, had a number of things to say when the Bears were in Decatur. And as we get ready for NFC North preview coming up at the top of the hour, Nagy talked about how this team has to avoid complacency. Just like anything that's new, uh, there's that honeymoon stage, and everyone's excited because it's new. And everything that we taught last year as coaches uh, for the first time, it was the first time they were hearing it, so it's new. Uh, now it becomes the second time they hear it. And, and so where I think the good coaches separate from average coaches is you need to be able to have a good pulse on your players, have a good feel for what they're really taking in. So don't be monotonous in what you do. Change things up. Um, let them have more say. Uh, make sure that they understand that everything that we did last year means nothing. What it did is it helped our culture but it means zero for the 2019 season. So we talked about it. Don't get complacent. Remember the hurt. Um, and, and then that's my job to make sure that the coaches are doing that, that I'm doing it, Ryan's doing it, we're all doing it together. And then the players, ultimately, we talked about leaders create leaders. The more leaders we can get within our players this year, they, they, hear, they hear it coming from their own peers than me, the better off we'll be. So there's a good coach. Matt Nagy, the head coach for the Chicago Bears, talking there. Try not to be complacent. We'll see what happens for this upcoming season. All right, coming up after SportsCenter, we will have our breakdown of the NFC North, where the Bears have to deal with. And don't forget, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, a special time, 8.30 tonight, Dave LaGreca from Busted Open is going to be with us to talk about some of the storylines around the WWE and everywhere else around professional wrestling. All part of our 8 o'clock hour right here on UTH. Jonathan Hood. Cause all we trying to do is do good. Put on my hood when I walk through hoods. On ESPN 1000.